Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Noticing. I'm your host, best-selling author Johnny B. Truant, and I'm here to help you give the muse the finger and make life your muse instead. In each 10-minute episode, I'll tell you how I spun something mundane into inspiration and show you how to do the same. If you've ever wondered how to write better, how to be creative, how to get more ideas, you're in the right place. Let's start noticing. Today, okay, technically yesterday, I watched the film The Babadook with my teenagers. I record these pretty far in advance, so you're actually getting a flashback all the way to Halloweenish time. And we do this little Halloween movie horror film thing, and we just watch a few horror movies. And I was just kind of looking through ones that we hadn't seen before, and I saw that The Babadook was rated well. And my son gave it a green light because he said, I've heard good things about that movie and it has a funny name. So we went in expecting this like, I don't know, popcorn horror movie. And it is. And that's no disrespect in any way to the idea of horror movies being popcorn. I mean, most horror movies are popcorn. There's not usually a lot of deep emotional resonance in a lot of horror movies. Like the idea is just to kind of scare you. And that's the emotion that you get is is fear and being freaked out. And plus the idea of, you know, a monster and I don't know, it just I figured it was just going to be like a bunch of, of blood and, and jump scares and stuff. And there was a good amount of that. And I, I enjoyed it. But what became apparent after you know watching about half or two thirds of the movie was that it wasn't actually about a monster. It was thematic. And that's when it, it kind of hit me, like how many horror movies do have that element and I just haven't really been paying attention to it. And so I'm just noticing it now because I have this, this increased focus, I guess, on noticing. And it reminded me of another movie that I saw before called The Descent, which had sort of some of these same elements. And there are many other horror movies as well, where the horror is, let me see if I can describe, figure out how to describe this. It's, it's a literalization of some sort of internal psychological horror. So it's about something that scares you, yes, but it's almost as if you said, what if the thing that scares me inside, what if my internal trauma and freak out and whatever else is going on in the inside was externalized and made into something literal? So just the spoilers for the Babadook here, I'll just to do this briefly. If you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm probably going to end up spoiling something, maybe, I don't know. But the idea that, um, so so basically the the plot is that this, and it takes you a while to kind of really figure out that that's what this is about. But the, the it's about a mother and her son. And the uh, on the day the son was born, he's uh, about to turn seven. And on the day that he was born, when his mother was driving him to the hospital, or maybe the father was driving, I'm not sure, but the father died. I assume in a car crash, uh, that's the, the way that it's presented is that the dad died on the way to, um, for the boy to be born. And so this, this creature, this Mr. Babadook, who's given in this like, um, fairy tale book that kind of haunts them is, uh, out to possess the mother and then kill, you know, everything like kill, um, kill the kid in particular, like that's the main thing and become a monster. And she slowly kind of unravels over this period of time. And what starts to become apparent is that it's really the Babadook is really her trauma over having lost her husband and it, it, the tendency to want to externalize it or maybe the fear 
that she would externalize it toward her son, who she sees as responsible, subconsciously responsible, because if she hadn't been going to the hospital to give birth to him, then her husband wouldn't have died. And the Babadook kind of like lives in the basement um, where she keeps a locked uh, room with like keepsakes that she can't uh, she can't bear to go look at with with uh, with her husband. And he's kind of this haunting figure who kind of shows up every once in a while. And at the end, and this is the big spoiler, she doesn't truly defeat the Babadook. She like it like gets inside of her, and then she like barfs it out in this like black bile. And then she's mostly back to um, herself, but she also it, it like comes at her, and she has to like give this primal scream and like get away from here, whatever. And then it doesn't die. The whole thing is in the in the nursery rhyme book. It says you can't get rid of the Babadook no matter what you do. And so she can't get rid of it, just like real trauma, this real trauma that's like tormenting her. And it just has to live in the basement where she she is now willing to go down there and kind of feed the thing, but she doesn't let it consume her. And and just seeing that made me go, oh, okay, well, so this has a whole other level to it. And the descent, by the way, was about revenge and what it does to you and the monsters that that come from vengeance and revenge. And I've seen that in a bunch of horror movies, and it, it's always a real neat surprise because it, if you don't see it, the movie still works. Like that movie still works as a monster movie. Both of those do. But if you see it, then it's like this extra layer, and it's like, oh, I see what you did there, cool monster movie. You got other layers to you. So this is what I got out of this was this idea of, well, first of all, using that technique, taking an internal monster and, and, externalizing it and saying, well, what if this was a real thing? What if this was a real torment that was, that was here? And, um, another movie that, that makes me think is like externalization is if you've seen, there's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie called enemy, which is definitely one of my favorites. I highly, highly recommend it. And it's the same sort of thing. What if his neurosis, and I won't spoil this one was, uh, literal, and and so that's an interesting way to look at stories to me is saying, well, what is something that's bothering you or or something that's that's upsetting to somebody? It's it's like a thing that you can't put your hands on, but what if you were able to put your hands on it? What if it was something that was externalized and so that story becomes a story about a real battle rather than an internal battle? And then it it works on a couple of levels. And man, you know, I love levels and layers, and so I suggest anybody does that. Then, you know, keeping in mind that uh, certainly in horror films, there's this kind of eerie atmosphere. So even if you aren't, even if you aren't making the monster something that's, that's literal, that, that is, that is an embodiment of their trauma, if you don't want to go quite that, um, quite that, that deep and quite that layered, and maybe it feels like unnecessarily pretentious to you just the the atmosphere of that creepiness and that you know rainy feel so i think of the film seven which i won't spoil this either if you haven't seen it it slowly starts rainy and dark and gets sunnier until it's very very sunny and then it's super dark at the end and that reflects like the character arc if you have elements if, if something is set in an old haunted house or there's a character who's been shaped by their surroundings you can externalize just the moods, even if you don't externalize, say, the struggle or the monster. And then let's also remember that even if you don't do any of those things, that horror movies can have another another layer to them just because they're terrifying. 
just because people, readers who, who read your stories or who consume whatever your form of art is, they're going to be to some degree experiencing that trauma, that horror, that scare, that, you know, sadness, whatever the emotion is along with your characters. And that's going to evoke empathy because that's what empathy is. It's, it's sort of like stepping into someone else's shoes and being able to, to feel their emotions. And so by taking the emotions of a character and externalizing them to whatever degree, to like a monster or to just the surroundings, like I was just saying, that externalization allows your reader, it, it puts your reader in the shoes of that character. And that's a really good way to build empathy. So certainly if you have a tormented character and you're, it, you want that kind of save the cat moment with them, where it's like they aren't really as evil as they seem, or the Phantom of the Opera isn't secretly as evil as he seems by the end, although I guess he does kill people. But you know what I mean? Like you build empathy because through fear, through seeing what somebody is going through, you see them at their worst, and that helps to round out the perception of a character as well. Something fun to play with. Horror doesn't just need to be about stabby people, I guess is what I'm saying. All right, that's it for today. If you'd like more, be sure to visit johnnybtruant.com slash subscribe and sign up so you don't miss anything. Now, subscribing is free, but for just a few bucks a month and the good karma that comes from supporting the arts, you'll also get all the member stuff, bonus episodes and articles, behind-the-scenes peaks, and the weekly One Drink Book Club where my creative friends and I talk shop over Friday cocktails. If membership isn't for you, please show your support by sharing, reviewing, all that good stuff. It really does make a difference. Thanks for listening and stay curious.